praise the one who raised him up from the dead. Amen. Amen for that. We have this great opportunity before us to praise and to worship and to glorify our great God. You know, um, you'll be thinking about how you might want to do that as you go throughout this week and throughout this day today. Um, but you and I are so blessed to be able to worship the one true God. You'll see the title of the message on your uh, bulletin. If you did not get one and you want one, just stick your hand up in the air and someone will grab one for you and bring it to you. Um, uh, the title of the message is So Much to Be Thankful For. We've worked our way through a couple of weeks now with David, and David has found himself over the last couple of weeks in some very difficult situations, and perhaps some of the most difficult situations in all of his life. Okay, you remember we talked about how um, David, this man who is called to be a man after God's own heart, we saw that when he got back after a, a raiding party that he returned to Ziklag with his mighty men and found that the whole camp had been uh, taken captive or worse, they didn't know at the time, the camp had been burned and there was nothing left, nobody was there. So they were distraught, they were, they were broken hearted thinking about the possible outcomes, his Men were about ready to mutiny and, 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 and take his life from him because, after all, he was their leader, right? Um, and then last week we looked at how this, this awful person named Doeg um, saw David in the land of Nob where he was getting some, uh, some help and some assistance from Elimelech, the, the, the chief priest there, the high priest. And Doeg went back to Saul and told Saul that David was in, in Nob and that Elimelech had ministered to his needs. And so uh, Saul commanded that all the priests be put to death. Nobody would do it because they feared, you know, we, why would we put Put the priests of God to death. But this, this unsavory character, Doeg, went about and he put all the priests to death. Not only the priests, but the, all of their families. Eighty-five priests and their families were slaughtered there in the land of Nob. And David had just left there after having been ministered to by these people. And so he found out, he got word that what had happened, and his heart was broken. He felt, in fact, he says, we read it in Scripture, this is my fault. This happened to these godly men because I was there and they helped me. So he felt bad and, and we looked at how we handle the difficult times in our lives. And, and most of that centers around praising God and realizing who God is and how he has delivered us, not just from those kinds of earthly situations, but from the worst thing that could ever be uh, in our lives. And that's that sin that separates us from him. So having understood all of those things, what's the thing that David should do next? What's the thing that any of us should do after having received this great blessing and these great promises from our God? Well, we should be thankful. You and I, we have so much to be thankful for. You know, if we stopped and looked over our lives at all the things that God has done, we could fill books and books and books. We could fill hours and hours of time talking about the things that God has done in our lives. So the proper response after we realize all of those amazing things that God does for us and continues to do for us, it's not like those things were in the past and he never does anything for us anymore. He continues to bless. He continues to provide. He continues to minister to the very needs that we have in this life. 
So what should our daily response be? In fact, maybe throughout the day, our response should be one of thankfulness. The proper response to God for his love, his care, his mercy, his grace, and on and on we could go through who our God is would be to be thankful to him for what he does. So we're going to stand this morning together. We're going to read Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5. As you're doing that, let me just set your heart at ease, though. You look at that and you say, Pastor, there are ten points to your message. Well, you can be glad that there's no subpoints to the message, okay? Um, but we're going to work our way through this. And they're really just 10 phrases from the, this Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5, that David says to the people of Israel. This is what our response should be to God for who he is and how he cares for us and loves us. And then I want to draw that into a present-day application for us. Because just like God had cared for the people of Israel, he cares for us day after day after day. So let's read together Psalm 105 verses 1 through 5 should be on the screen, not on the screen. All right, grab your copy of the scriptures then if you should have already turned there with you with me. Uh, Psalm 105 verses 1 through 5. We will read together, and I don't care what version you're reading from. You can read out loud. You can read with excitement. You can read, read with enthusiasm, and we'll read God's word together this morning. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together in his word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning. What a few verses that we have just read. Uh, commanded to do these different things to you to proclaim our gratefulness, to proclaim the fact that we have a thankful heart for who you are and how you are actively involved in our lives. Father, you're not a God who saves us and then just kind of leaves us to flounder all on our, on our own. You are there with us every step of the day, every step of the way. In fact, Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, Father, as we think about how you care for us through, through the good times and the bad times. We want to give you grateful praise today. We want to thank you for your work in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So here we are in Psalm 105. This psalm is definitely a psalm that is written to Israel and, to, and for her benefit. But you know, we can take a look at this psalm and there is so much that we can glean from this psalm and be encouraged from the words of David as he worshipped and gave thankfulness to our great God. You know, the whole psalm, we're not going to... Sp- Work, on, work through the whole psalm this morning, but the whole psalm speaks of the eternal faithfulness of our great God. God is forever faithful. He is always faithful. And you know what? Even before time began, even before God created Adam and Eve and put him in the garden and outlined for them how they should do life, even before time began, he was faithful. He was faithful to himself. Since the very beginning of time, he has been faithful to who he is and how the Bible describes him, his character, his nature. He is faithful. 
He can be nothing else. And to you and I, he has been faithful day after day. Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. And here's the thing. You know, we all have a circle of friends, a circle that we do life in. And you know what? That circle sometimes changes because when people do things to us that we don't like, we have a tendency to kick them out of our circle, at least for a short period of time. And then maybe we'll bring them back in if they're lucky or if we're lucky that they come back in. Shouldn't say lucky, but anyway, you know what I mean. Um, God is faithful. And when we cease to be faithful for a period of time, you know what? He remains faithful. Because that's who he is. That's his nature. He can be nothing but faithful. And he's always faithful looking out for our best. Not our best interests necessarily. Because you and I have interests that don't always agree with what God's interests are. So he's always looking out for our best. And looking to, for ways to provide us and lead us and to kind of push us sometimes. And we don't want to go in that direction. And he knows that that's the direction we need to go. He's there pushing us and directing us and guiding our paths. Erling Olson wrote a commentary on the book of Psalms. I like what he says about Psalm 105. He says, while the psalm concerns Israel, I am sure that even the most zealous Israelite will have no objection if we take a sweet morsel from their delightful table of good things. For there are certain principles in this psalm which are applicable to every age and to certain people in every age. The exhortations to give thanks, to make his deeds known, to sing unto him, to glory in his holy name, and to seek his face are exhortations we would do well to heed. Okay, so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these exhortations, and we're going to see how we can put them into practice in our daily lives, and how Israel and David put them into practice in their time frame as well. We want to see in these five verses, from Israel's perspective, what they did and how they responded, and then how it may apply to us living right here in 2023. All right? So in these first five verses, there's a general tone of remembering God's work among his children. And you know what? Again, we didn't talk about the songs that we would sing leading up to the message this morning. I just kind of leave that to, to Barb because she knows what we sing well and what we, you know, all that kind of stuff. I leave that to her to choose those songs but they couldn't have fit better with our, with our message this morning, okay? Um, I did, I will tell you this, I did change the last song, though, okay? Because uh, she asked me yesterday, she said, what about this closing song I'm not happy with? I said, well, how about we sing, and I only told her this morning, by the way, how about we sing this one, okay? And so you, the song that, that we're going to close with, um, I Will Glory in My Redeemer, oh, man, it fits well with this, all right? But let me tell you, let me just run down the 10 things that um, we want to understand this morning. First of all, David says, give thanks to the Lord. And these are all right out of the psalm, just part of the scriptures. And you'll notice that at this point, there's no alliteration, okay? Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms. I like that part. Because you know what it doesn't say there? It doesn't say you have to have a good voice to sing to the Lord. He simply says, sing to the Lord. And you know what? I find myself going down the road in the car singing songs. And I sing louder in the car than I do when I'm, here, when I'm in here because nobody else can hear me. You say, well, Pastor, you sing loud enough in here, so I wouldn't want to be in your car. Well, you're probably right. You probably don't want to be in my car when I'm singing. But you know what? I, I'm, I'm on my motorcycle, and I got my helmet on. Man, that's when I really belt it out. Because the, the engine is roaring and the helmet's on and nobody can hear anything and I just let it go. 
And, and you know what? I think God likes it. I don't think God cares what my voice sounds like. Because he hears it as God hears it. Not as you and I hear it. All right? So let's move on. It says, talk of all his wondrous works. And y'all don't have no problem talking. Okay? So talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Oh, seek the Lord and his strength. And again, he repeats it. Seek his fame forevermore. And then number 10, remember his marvelous works which he has done. Those are the things that David says when we look at God and his activity in our lives and all that he does for us and through us, these, are, these should be the responses of a grateful heart to an awesome God. So if that works for them, it works for us today as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to work through this, and we're going to see what it meant to Israel, and then I'm going to go back quickly and tell us how it works for us today. So if you want to really keep track, there's actually 20 points to the message this morning, okay? All right, so here we go. Um, number one, always demonstrate a thankful heart. And that, David says, give thanks. You and I are to always demonstrate a thankful heart. When we're talking about giving thanks, we're not just talking about saying thank you as you know, somebody does something nice for you and you say thank you and then you walk away and you, you probably don't even remember the rest of the day what they did that you were being thankful for. In fact, there is no such concept in the Hebrew as a mere simple thank you. It doesn't exist. The theological word book of the Old Testament says this about the word thanks. It is clear that the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures does not have our independent concept of thanks. The expression of thanks to God is included in praise. It was a way of praising God. The concept of this word that has been translated as thanks in our Bibles is to express one's public proclamation or declaration of God's attributes and his works. So when you and I are giving thanks, it's an expression of gratitude for who God is as revealed by his attributes and his characteristics, by his traits. And you know what? Nobody that you've ever met has the exact same traits and characteristics as our God. And nobody can demonstrate them to the fullest as he can. So that's why we declare praises and give glory to his name for who he is and what he has done. That's the idea of giving thanks. Singing and, and, and just talking over and over and over about the very nature and character of our God. We should never get tired of doing that. We should always give thanks, always demonstrate a thankful heart, a grateful heart to our God. Give thanks, David says, with a grateful heart. Number two, he says, ask the Lord for help. David says, call upon his name. What are we to ask God for help? To call normally as we're prompted uh, by a need, and because of that, we, we, we cry out. How many times have we seen in David's life that he cried out desperately to God? Sometimes when we're in the deepest, darkest, most desperate times in our lives, you know what? We don't want anybody else to know about it. Oh, no, I can take care of this, or, or God and I can take care of this. You know what? David cried out. He, he cried out with a loud voice, sometimes with a pitiful voice. Um, I love the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And there's a great example of calling out in that, in that story. Daniel has been arrested. He's been thrown in the den. And he's down in there. And I think he had a pretty comfortable night. 
I think he probably curled up next to one of those lions with the big fluffy mane, and he just went to sleep because he knew he was in God's hands. If he died, eh, he got to meet God sooner. If he didn't die, he got to go back to doing his job, probably, most likely. But you know what? The king didn't have any sleep that night. That night. Scripture says he was restless. He, he didn't let anybody come and, and, and sing or praise or anything like that. The king was miserable because he knew that Daniel was there because he put him there, ultimately. He was tricked by his advisors, and they deceived him, and Daniel ended up in the lion's den. So the Bible says very early in the morning... The king comes to the lion's den, and with a pitiful voice, he cries out, David, are you still there? Not expecting an answer, but his cry, it was a pitiful cry. It was a cry of desperation. He wasn't making it to God, by the way. He was making it to Daniel, who he hoped would still be alive in the den. And I love Daniel's response. It wasn't like, mm, yeah, should I answer? Oh, king, live forever. My God, who, who I serve day and night, has shut the mouths of these lions, and I'm fine. And the king is like, hurry up, get him up out of there, get him up. And Daniel was in no hurry. He was fine in the den because God's hand of protection was upon him. And he cried out to the king, oh, king, live forever, but he gave glory to God. It was my God who saved me who protected me. Nobody else, nothing else had anything to do with it. And some people would say, well, yeah, it's just because the lions weren't hungry. That's why God put the last part of that story in there. Because it says that, that Darius, King Darius was very frustrated with his advisors and he called all the advisors together and he told his soldiers, he said, gather all these men and their families and throw them into the lion's den. And you know what? The Bible says that the lions had mastery over them. Tore them apart, a, li a leg in one mouth and an arm in another mouth and a head somewhere else. And they just tore them apart. You know, the lions weren't hungry. <laughs> they certainly were hungry. It was God's power that saved Daniel. And Daniel gave all the credit, all the glory, all the praise, all the honor to his great God. So when you and I find ourselves in an hour of need, in a time of need, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to ask the Lord for help. David says, call upon his name. When our kids were growing up, we would often hear this, Mom! Or Daddy! And you knew it was, there was a need in the house. You didn't, maybe didn't know what it was, but you knew. So what did mom or dad do, or sometimes mom and dad do? We both made our way to the source of that cry out. We're, we're trying to help, we try to help our kids to understand that when you need something, you ask for help. You come up to us, and, and that boy, they don't have any, they've mastered that. They don't have any problems with that now. Dad, I can't. Dad, I need. Dad, would you? Mom, we, I mean, <laughs> Micah told his pastor out in Colorado, he said, uh, you know, my pa I, I talk to my mom and dad almost every day. And my pastor said, I, don't, I can't believe that you still at your age have that kind of a relationship with your parents that you talk almost every day with them. And sometimes it's just, sometimes he's going to go make food and he calls, he says, what do I need to do this? What do I need to do that? Sometimes he's working on a project. He just built himself a dining room table. Uh, dad, I, I want to stain it now. I want to finish it. What do I do to put the finish on it? What product do I use? So he calls and he asks for help. We don't have any problem with that. We're happy that he does. Um, Josh and Katie, Josh called me uh, probably a couple months ago. Dad, I want to talk to you about something. 
And he poured it out to me, and he says, what do you think? And so we talked about it. Rachel, the same way. I mean, when she lived in Cleveland, she used to send me pictures. Dad, what do I do to fix this? And her and Barb would talk for hours on the phone while they're cooking. So we ask for help. It's important for us to cry out for help. When we need something, though, we didn't want our kids just to say, Mom! We would rather, if they could, have them come find us and have a discussion with us. This is happening. Can you help me? God doesn't want us just to say, God, help. I mean, he will, if that's all you can say at the moment in time. I mean, the New Testament does tell us that the Holy Spirit takes the groanings that we have that we can't even verbalize, and he takes them very to the very throne room of God. And God hears them and works on them. So sometimes all we can do is cry out, oh, God. And he hears us, and he knows the need of our hearts, and he ministers to those needs. But it's so much better when we can have a a drawn-out conversation with God. And we can pour our heart out to him, and we can say, God, I'm not telling you this because you don't know it. You already know everything. But God, you know what's going on in my life. There's this health issue, or there's this financial issue, or there's this other issue, or whatever. And just talk to God about it. Let him know your heart. And you know what? It relieves you so much to be able to pour your heart out to God. Again, it's not because he doesn't know it, but it's take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. When we trust and never doubt, he will surely work it out. God doesn't have to, I mean, we don't have to worry about the problems of life. We can just offload them at the throne of God and let him take care of them, knowing that he is the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God who made everything that we see around us. We have that God that we can go to and ask him for help, to call upon his name. David says, make known his deeds among the people, or to stick with our alliteration, we say, affirm your allegiance to the Lord. Affirm your allegiance. Make sure that you know that you are still committed to the things of the Lord. Tell God that you're still committed, but he knows if you are or if you aren't. But sometimes it just helps us to say, yes, God, I love you and I want to serve you and I want to do your will and I want you to use me as you see fit. In other words, we're not to keep quiet about all that God is doing in our midst and Israel wasn't to either. Israel was told on more than one occasion to make the works of God known among the people and the nations of the world. The prophet Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted. They were to spread the news of God's involvement in their lives of their people. And you know what? Those people that surrounded Israel, they often knew of God's work in the nation of Israel anyway. I love to read these accounts when they were moving into the promised land. And, the, and you read that the nations around them trembled in fear of the God of Israel. Why? They heard that the God of Israel split open the Red Sea so they could cross on dry ground. And it wasn't a mere meteorological freak of nature. It was, it was actually the God of Israel because when the Egyptians got all in the middle of the Red Sea with all of their chariots and all of their army members, and guess what happened? God closed up the Red Sea. That was God. Israel could tell of all of that incredible work of God as they traveled through. 
If you lived during the time of Joshua and, and you were standing outside and you were looking into Jericho and God said, I'm going to give you that city, and you're like, uh-huh. And God said, I want you to march around that city one time for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. I want you to blow your trumpets and I want you, I want you to shout. And the wall is going to come down. Mm-hmm. That didn't make any sense to them. But you know what? They did it. And guess what? God did what he said he would do. They, they acted in faith. God, was a, God is faithful. He did what he said he would do. The walls crashed down. The children of Israel ran up and took the city. We talked recently about Gideon and his 300 men going against 30,000, 35,000 men uh, who were oppressing them. And, and God said, no, 10,000 is too many. And then, you know, we're, we're just going to do it with 300. 300 against 30,000? Yep, 300. He said, give them all a pitcher, put a light inside that pitcher, and I want them to go up to the, uh, into certain locations, and at the right time, I want them to shout a sword for the Lord, a sword for Gideon. I want them to break the, trumpet, or break the, uh, the pitchers and blast their trumpets. And you know what? All of those people, those 30,000 people with all their chariots that filled the land, the Bible says they all turned on each other and killed each other. The Israelites didn't even have to do anything. God did it. Isn't that a wondrous deed? Make known his deeds among the people. We're to affirm our allegiance to our great God. And then we get to this one, sing aloud. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. Here we see that the people of Israel were to praise their God in song and with music. You know what? I'm, I'm thankful for Christian radio. Now, there's some things that are pitfalls or, or downsides of Christian radio, but I'm thankful that we live in an area where we can get, we have a pick of different radio stations that we can draw from. And by the way, if, <laughs> I know some of you don't like Alexa, but we have an Alexa, and we can tell Alexa, Alexa, play WCIC. That's the radio station we listen to in Illinois all the time. And she'll just say, now playing Hope on WCIC. If you don't like what's playing on WCIC, Alexa, play Family Life. Open Family Life on Family Life now. And all of a sudden, boom, just like that, we're here in Family Life. We don't have to listen to the garbage of public radio or any other radio. We can listen to things that are God-honoring and glorifying to him. And before you know it, if you listen to that on a regular basis, you're singing right along with them. You're singing those songs of praises. You're singing honor and glory to our great God. Sing aloud, and you can turn it up as loud as you want, and so you can't hear yourself sing, but you can hear the other people that are doing it. For Sing aloud to him. Sing to him praises to our great God. He deserves it. He should be the one that we sing praises to. We should enter his gates by, offering, by an offering of song. In fact, Praising God is good for God's children. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And when we do that, it encourages our hearts. So David says, sing aloud. And we move on to the next one where it says, make an address concerning his deeds or talk about his wondrous works. One of our greatest presidents did this back on November 19th, 1863. Not because you were there, but does anybody remember what happened on that day? We call it the Gettysburg Address. 
Make an address concerning his deeds. President Lincoln addressed the nation and he said this. And by the way, in his address to the nation, he recognized he addressed our great God. He said this. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created. Where do you think he got that idea? He didn't get it from the political parties of the day. Right? Because you know what he was, you know, a civil war, right? Because some people thought that blacks were not useful. And, well, they were useful, but they were slaves. They didn't have any value outside of that. All men are created equal. God created all of us in the image of himself. Every person that's ever been created has been created in the image of God. It's a biblical truth. Lincoln realized that, and he gave credit to God. In the last part of his speech, he also references God and the fact that this nation was established under the authority of the one true God, (laughs) putting to rest all of those who say it wasn't. Abraham Lincoln said, It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from those honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation, here it is, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. You know what Lincoln was doing? He was bringing God into everyday conversations. You and I need to seek opportunities to do the exact same thing. The Israelites were told to do that. Talk of all his wondrous works. No matter where you go, no matter who you're talking to, talk of all his wondrous works. My last day at Tractor Supply was uh, Thursday. Okay, and, and so Jess, we were doing the closing stuff up in the back office, and, and Jess said, I just want you to know it's been an absolute pleasure having you work here. I can tell you to do this, and you do it. I can leave the front end, and you take care of it. And she says, And I know, I know I need to get back to church. And I understand that you're leaving because you have to spend, you know, have to have the flexibility to do what you need to do in your church. And I understand that. And, and, but you know what? We're not just ignoring God in our house. We have Bible study, my mom and my grandma and I. And my grandma, we're, we're studying Revelation. And my grandma keeps telling me, we have to interpret it literally. We have to interpret it literally. And I keep telling her, but grandma, you can't. And I stopped right there. I said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. It was part of the everyday conversation. Yes, you can. She said, why? How how can you? Some of the stuff he writes, how is it? I said, you have to remember, John was writing about things he never saw. Technology was not what it was then as it is today. He had no idea what an aircraft carrier looked like. He had no idea what a helicopter looked like. So some of the things that he's describing are things that we see today, and they've unfolded just because of the technology we have. So when you read it, you have to read it from John's perspective, but understand he didn't know this much of what we see in our lives today. Computers, what are they? How, how does that all work? How does that? No, you, if John says it, you can believe it literally unless he says it's like this or it's as this. So yes, Jess, 
Interpret the book of Revelation literally. That was an opportunity to have a conversation about the things of God in everyday life. We need to take advantage of that. God told the Israelites, speak about my wondrous works every day. Don't keep it a secret. Let everyone know about the incredible things that God does. And then he says, acclaim and exalt him. Glory in his holy name. Acclaim and exalt him. Talk, boast in the things of the Lord, if you will. We, we like to boast about a lot of different things. <laughs> I'm not boasting about the Yankees these days. Our, our Mets fans aren't boasting about the Mets either, right? There's nothing to boast about. But you know what? We can always, always, always boast about our great God. Because he never has losing streaks. He never finishes under 500. He never throws his hands up in the air and says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what player to put. God knows everything. We can boast in our great God. Here's a good illustration of glorying in the name of the Lord. It would be telling a great story. We already referred to it a little bit. The walls of Jericho. Can you imagine that? Here you are in Israelite, you're facing this massive wall. They used to have chariot races on those walls. That's how big these were. They weren't just, you know, like a concrete block wall. Okay? These walls were big enough. People lived inside the walls. I don't know, 10, 20 feet wide probably, or wider. Made out of the strongest stuff that you could make out of things out of in those days. And here the children of Israel walk up to this wall and they say, how are we ever going to get over that? You're not. God's going to break it down. And so they did exactly what God told them to do. Very unconventional. Didn't make any sense to them. But God, they did what God said to do. And God did what he said he would do. And the walls came down. But you know what? The next battle... The very next battle, they were disobedient. Somebody took from the spoil of Jericho, and they weren't supposed to, and they didn't own up to it, and they decided, we're going to go into battle anyway because we think we can take AI. By the way, they don't have big walls, and there's not many people. We'll just do it. They got whooped. They turned around with their tails between their legs and went back to camp. What in the world happened here? How could they beat us? Well, they got their, they got their pride in the wrong place. They were boasting in their own abilities, not in boasting in the abilities of God. So the children of Israel could say, hey, look, when we trust God, look what he does. When we disobey God, oh, man, you don't want that. The consequences are not good. It's not fun to be disobedient to God. Speak of his great deeds. You see, we need to let God be God and leave all the rest just out there. Trust him to work in all the situations that we face. And when we see God do these amazing, great things, what do we do? Well, David says, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Celebrate again and again. And you can put as many agains in there as you want. Celebrate again and again and again and again. The heart here stands for the inner being of man. Man himself, if you will. And as such, it is the fountain of life. 
It is all that man does, Proverbs 4, verse 4, all his thoughts, all his desires, all his words, all his actions flow from deep within him, in his very heart. The very seat of man's emotions should rejoice as a result of seeking after the Lord. When we seek the Lord and we speak of his great name and we sing psalms of praise to him, we celebrate, we rejoice in who our great God is. And then we need to be attracted and we need to advance his name. David says, seek the Lord, his strength, the face, his face forevermore. Three times the children of Israel here in this psalm are told to seek the Lord. I remember um, one of our professors saying, if, if I say something once, it's good for you to know. But if I say something twice, you better know it's important. And if I say something three times, you're definitely going to see it again on a test. Seek the Lord. Seek the things that he wants us to know. We want to understand the truths about our great God. God through David says something three times. Seek the Lord. You that know uh, this, this great God of creation, this great God of the heavens and the earth, seek him. Seek the Lord. As a child of God, you have that privilege. And you know what's even better? Not only do you have the privilege of seeking him, but you have the privilege of finding him and knowing him and loving him and serving him. There are people who, in their, in their own way, seek the Lord on their own terms, and they may never find him because they're not seeking him in the pages of Scripture where he is found. They're seeking him in other things, and so they've created other gods, and they're not the God of the Scriptures. Seek the Lord. Be attracted. And when you found him, when you see him at work in your life, tell others, advance his name. Let people know how amazing your God is. And then we see David says we must be aware, we must remember. And there's, certain, there's three things that David says we need to remember. He, be aware of these, th- these things. Be aware of his marvelous works. His marvelous works. This is not an easy word to define. But Vines defines it this way. It says it means to be marvelous or, since you can't use a word to define the word you're trying to define, right? Extraordinary. Beyond our, our imaginations. We can't even figure it out. We can't even understand how marvelous his works are. We are to remember his works. The first time this word occurs in Exodus is where God is talking to Moses. And he says, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders wonders before Pharaoh which I put in your hand. Remember when he was telling God, giving God all the excuses, I can't do this, I can't do that because... And God says, what's that thing you got in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. He says, throw it down on the ground. He throws it down on the ground and turns into a serpent. Whoa! He says, pick it up. Ah, Moses was a smart man. He didn't know that he's not supposed to pick up serpents. Pick him up. So he reached down, he picked up the serpent and turned back into his rod. Put your hand inside your coat, inside your, your vest. Pulls it out and it's leper. Oh no, leprosy is terrible. Put it back in. It's clean. Those are things that only God can do. And, and believe me, Moses was wondering, how did that snake turn in, how did that rod turn into a snake and then turn back into a how, how did, 
wonders of God. Remember the wondrous things that you see going on all around you. And don't say, well, it's just a fluke of nature, or it's just this, or it's just that. It's God at work. The word signifies a divine act or a special display of divine power. Speak of his wonders in your life. And then speak or remember the judgments of his mouth. The decisions that he renders or the verdict that God hands down is always final. He wants his children to remember what he says. Remember those judgments. So with all of that in mind, we can see that David has encouraged the children of Israel to be thankful for the faithfulness of their great God. So how does that apply to me today? And I mixed some of it in already, but we're going to specifically think about it. How, as born-again believers in 2023, how can we incorporate these things into our lives? He says, give thanks. Give thanks. You know what? You and I are to declare with a thankful heart the things that God does in our lives. Remember that giving thanks is praising God. We sing songs all the time that praise God. One that I like that we didn't sing, but maybe some point we will. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks, why? Because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. In other words, we're saying that the songs that we sing should be praising God with a grateful heart because of the work of salvation that Christ has provided for us. If you don't praise God for anything else, you should praise God for your salvation. Because if, if you're not saved here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're on your way to hell. And there's nothing else that can save you from that eternity other than a relationship with Jesus Christ. So with a grateful heart, we say, thank you, God, for my salvation. If, when we ask for testimonies, if that's what you said every time, it would never get old. Never, ever get old. Thank you, God, for my salvation. Call upon his name. You know what we said that was? We are, we are asking for help. And when we realize all that God has done for us, we should indeed call upon his name. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, we should offer praise to him first. That's, you know, when we pray, and, and we don't have a, a, a prayer that you, we don't write out a prayer and tell you, to, hey, you need to pray this. But thanksgiving to God, praising God should always be part of our prayers. When, when, we, when we, after we confess our sins to God to clear the gateway, we should be praising God for who he is. We should be giving him honor and glory and thanks for the things he's done. Because you know what? You and I wouldn't have anything that we have. We wouldn't be anything that we are without the work of God in our lives. So we praise God. We, we, we call upon his name. And we understand that God has done amazing things from us. Not only for our salvation, but because we're part of his family. You realize, even if you have no one else in this world, you're part of God's family, and you're part of this family, which is hopefully synonymous. We can call upon his name boldly whenever we need to, and not just to praise him, but in time of need. You know what the writer of Hebrews says, right? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to what? to help in any time of need. No matter what's going on, 
and any need that we have, we can call upon his name. We can ask the Lord for help. Make known his deeds among the people. You and I, we declare the good things that God is doing. We make known his deeds among the people. Just as Israel was not to keep those great things that God was doing for them a secret, but they were to expound these deeds to their neighboring nations, you and I should be quick and willing to make known the deeds of God, especially our salvation to others. When you come across somebody who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, you don't have to take 30 minutes to take them down the Romans road. You can simply share your story with them, the story of salvation that God has provided for you. And when, you, when they hear your story, they're likely to say, well, I, God wouldn't do that for me, would he? Absolutely. He would love to do that for you. So we, we declare his name among the people. I can't help but think of Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, where it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. When we have the opportunity to point out the beauty of where we live, wherever that might be, we need to give, that, we need to give God credit for that beauty. God made that place beautiful. Man, chance, evolution had nothing to do with it. It's the work of God. It's the handiwork of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day after day after day. Night after night after night. It's God on display. And then we sing that we, we see here, sing to him, sing praises to him. We sing to him in an effort to declare his worth, to worship him, if you will. Worship takes place at Calvary Baptist Church on Sunday morning. But it shouldn't be the only time that you worship God. We have the privilege of worshiping God every single day. Whenever the moment arises, whenever we have a break in the day, we have the opportunity, if we want, to worship God. You're driving down the road and you're listening to Family Life or you're listening to whatever your favorite Christian radio is or you got your Spotify going or your What's the other one? Pandora, all any of those things you got going. I hope you got Christian music going on those things. And you're singing to God with your heart, not just from your mind and off your lips, but they ought to be a reflection of our heart. Sing to God. Sing aloud. Sing praises to our great God. As the children of God, we can sing whenever we want to. We can and should worship God on a daily basis multiple times if we want to. And then David says, talk of all his wondrous works. When was the last time you spoke of God's wondrous works in your life? Make an address to God and to others concerning the great things that he has done. We can speak of the wonderful things that you and I have witnessed as we walk with the Lord. God does amazing things. And I think sometimes we don't even say anything about them. So, I'm going to let you do that right now. Is there something, is there a wondrous thing that God is doing in your life right now that you want to say, God, thank you. God, praise you for what you're doing in my life. Scott's got something. Can we get him a microphone? Here we go.
Okay, we're going to make these quick so everybody can have an opportunity to do it. So speak of his He said quick because I got the mic. So today I'm officiating my first wedding ever. Um, it's for um, a couple that do not know the Lord, and pretty much everybody in the whole family, both families, don't know the Lord. I'm like the closest person to a minister that these people know, so they've asked me to officiate it. Last night was the dinner rehearsal. At the dinner rehearsal, uh, I was able to share my testimony, just like Pastor just said, you know, use, use your own story to be able to share the gospel. And I had these three or four people locked in on me for like 10 minutes, and they were just amazed. And there's this one young man there that was listening in, and uh, there's definitely something stirring inside of him. Amen. Someone else? Once again, it's just the same story. I was in a dark place, and I was a dark, I was a blot on the landscape. Um, I wasn't serving the Lord, I was just serving myself. And the Lord brought me into the light. And for that, I'm very thankful. And um, I want to serve the Lord. Amen. Someone else? Barry. Ah, see, now you know how it is, Scott. Back and forth, right? Now we need somebody over in that corner. No, yeah. just kidding. Oh, uh, the Lord works so strangely in your life, but I shouldn't say strangely, but he's always, you know, I'm not a young man. He's always working in our lives, cutting us and, and helping us to be better Christians. Just walk. I just praise it. He does that to us. And, and he allows everything to come through his hand that directs us in our life to go forward for him. Thank you, Barry. Don? I went on a wonderful walk with my golden retriever. And while on the walk in the evening, I saw the most gorgeous sunset of orange. It started sprinkling lightly. And I said, dear God, where's your rainbow? And I turned around, and there was a great, big, beautiful rainbow. Yeah. Who else saw the rainbow? I mean, a rain. I, we saw two longest standing rainbow I think I've ever seen. It, just, it was there and there and there, probably for a good 15 minutes. Usually they come and they fade away. These were, these just stayed. Uh, God granted me an amazing experience on Friday. I was heading home Friday afternoon from the bowling alley, and I stopped at a red light on Homer Avenue um, by the gas station there. And the next thing I know, an elder lady who was standing on the side of the road hitchhiking jumped into my truck. And I says, well, hello. <laughs> she was looking for a ride. She was hitchhiking from Binghamton going to Tully. And she was looking for a ride. But I said, well, here's, God just granted me an opportunity to serve by sharing the gospel with this lady. And I gave her a ride to Tully, and we talked about Jesus the whole way. And um, God granted me a great blessing. Amen. Captive audience, right? He is definitely doing some good stuff. Anybody else? All right. So we speak of the great things, the wondrous things that God is doing. Talk of all his wondrous works. And then we see here that David says, we glory in his name. 
We glory in his name. Remember what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17 says. And this is a way that we can acclaim and exalt him. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We don't need to glory in what we're doing or what we're accomplishing. We glory in the Lord. There really is nothing for us to glory in in ourselves. But when we see all that God has done for us, we should come to the understanding that the only glorying we have to do is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We glory in the Lord. We sing a song. In fact, it's going to be our closing song. I will glory in my Redeemer, just the first verse, whose priceless blood has ransomed me. Mine was the sin that drove the bitter nails and hung him on that judgment tree. I will glory in my Redeemer. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. We are to rejoice over and over and over and over again. I think that many times we forget this command that David gave to God's children in Israel. Or or should I point out David's clarification here? He says, the heart of those who seek the Lord have the privilege of being able to rejoice. You and I can rejoice because of what God has done in our lives. It changes the way we live. It changes the things that we do. No matter what is happening in our lives, if we are seeking the Lord, we can rejoice. There surely is something to be thankful for. The fact that if you and I continually seek after God, the struggles that we face in life go into their right perspective, and then we can rejoice. We can rejoice no matter what, as long as we are seeking the Lord. And then he says, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, his strength and his face forevermore. This must be important because David said it three times in this very short passage of scripture. In one verse he says, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. How do we seek the Lord? Well, if we want to know, we should go to the source, right? So the Lord himself said over in Luke 12 uh, this. He says, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than of the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But, don't seek those things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, when when you and I seek something, we're diligently looking for it. It takes an effort, doesn't it? We must diligently seek after the Lord, knowing that we will find him. We must work at seeking the Lord. Unfortunately, not something that just comes our way. It's something that we have to work at doing. And, and, and you know what? You know what I'm going to say, right? 
Where do we seek him? Right here. In the pages of this book. You will find him. He's there. Remember, David says, his marvelous works. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Don't forget the incredible things that God has done for you. Be attracted by them. Advance his name. Speak of it again and again and again. Don't forget the incredible things that God does for us regularly. I enjoy telling people about the wonderful things God has done for us at Calvary Baptist Church. We have this building that we get to use for his honor, for his glory. That was his plan. He provided it for us. And, and by his grace, it's almost paid off. And I say almost. We're getting there. If you want to give toward that purpose, you can certainly do that. Dedicated towards debt re- the mortgage, you can do that. But you know what? If we told people that we only had like $150,000 left on this building, they would say, huh? How'd that ever happen? God's plan. God's work. Tell of his wondrous deeds. I enjoy, I enjoy telling people about how God continues to bring new people to our church family. And we see people are coming in and, and, and they say, uh, we want this. It's because they're looking for the things of God. That's what you get when you come to Calvary Baptist Church. The things of God. It's taught. It's proclaimed. We have no shame about it. We want you to know that this is the truth. And this is on what we stand. Speak of the wondrous things that our God does. The judgments of his mouth. I don't have a problem talking about that either. It's going to happen. If we don't stand with God, we have nothing to stand on or stand for. We want to stand with him and for him. When we remember our God... It it reminds us of all of God's faithfulness and all of his goodness and all the work that he does in and through us. That's what this psalm is all about, remembering the goodness and the faithfulness of our great God. This is an incredible psalm. It's an excellent reminder of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. As Israel looked back over the many things that God did in their lives and in their history. I mean, you got to remember, Israel wasn't even a nation until God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and sent him on his way and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he wasn't, it was 100 years old when he had the son of promise. Wow, how's that going to happen? God said it would happen. Abraham was faithful. He believed it for the most part. Um, and, and God did it. We know God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or all that we think. And this incredible psalm goes back and reminds the Israelites of how faithful God has been. They look over their history. They see the wonderful works. They see when they followed God how God blessed and God delivered and God provided and protected. And David says, give thanks. As you and I look back over our lives, we see the great things that God has done in our lives. And so what do we do? We give thanks We give thanks. When we focus on those things, we find ourselves rejoicing and having a grateful heart that we can use to worship our great God. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and again, with a grateful heart, we say to you, uh, we are blessed. We are thankful, and we desire to praise you for who you are. 
Father, we want to tell of your wondrous works, your amazing deeds, the things that you do, not just the, the way you provide for us and you, you make life seem to go along uh, according to your plan without a hitch. That doesn't mean without problems, but Father, as we follow you and we trust you, we see you deliver us and lead us and guide us and direct us through these difficult things that we might face on a daily basis. And we want to praise you and we want to give you glory and honor for those activities in our lives. Father, even we thank you for the times when you have to correct us because we know that you correct us because you love us and you're pushing us and you're prodding us and you're disciplining us to be the people that you want us to be. So Father, may we stop and remember all the things that we have to be thankful for and give glory and honor and praise to your name and spread the news of your goodness, your awesomeness, to others that you bring across our paths each day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.